the Better Equine Vet Practice Limited Podcast Series, presented by Business Infusions, owners of HVMS Software. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the people interviewed and do not reflect the official policy or position of Business Infusions, HVMS Software, our employees or companies. Assumptions made in the analysis are not reflective of the position of any entity other than the guest. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Our goal is to inspire and connect different conversations and different perspectives in the equine veterinary space. Hi, and welcome to the HBMS podcast. I'm joined today by Dr. Olivia James, who is an equine veterinarian in Australia, and she's going to be talking to us. Our general theme today is about doing more of what you love and less of what you don't. Um, And Olivia is going to share with us how she's built and written her own story and written her own destiny, basically, within equine practice. Um, So thank you so much for joining us, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me. It's early morning for me here, but evening for you. So I appreciate you accommodating the time difference. Well, you guys can't see Olivia, but she looks really bright and chipper. I am really impressed, actually. I'm not sure that I would look quite so fresh and, and bright. Uh, only, and one coffee down. only one coffee down so far. <laughs> so Olivia, do you want to introduce yourself and the area of expertise that you've built within equine medicine? My name is Olivia James. I'm an equine veterinarian in Australia. I graduated from the University of Sydney in 2003 and spent a couple of years in mixed practice, which I just adored, and then kind of migrated across over to equine practice for a few years. Um, Had a lot of fun, but um, being quite, I guess, confident, thought I knew it all and and could do it better my way, started up a a full-service equine practice that grew rather, rather rapidly, which was a lot of fun. I became interested in equine dentistry quite early on because I could see the positive benefits for animal welfare and how much of an improvement for the quality of life I could make for my patients in a non-emergency setting and kind of became drawn into that and jumped from, um, I guess, milestone to milestone with increasing my education and my knowledge and my qualifications until eventually I ended up selling my equine practice and now I am um, just offering referral dental surgeries, which is great because I either drive or fly to other veterinarians' places and clinics and get to do just the fun surgery bit. Um, And I also have an, an online equine dentistry education series, which has been a collaboration of over 30 other diplomats and specialists around the world, which is also a huge amount of fun. That's really neat. So your career in equine vet med is really unique because, as I said in the intro, you've really written your own story and created something that wasn't there before. So you're training, doing, um, building this really niche practice. And I wonder how you decided to cut the things you didn't love and then keep only the things that you that you do love. I guess it's kind of just been a work, um, a work in progress. Life circumstances really. Um, led me to where I am now because when I had my equine practice, uh, I built it from scratch, built a you know, million-dollar equine facility and we had never intended to leave. We, we lived in the countryside. But um, when you have partners or husbands and families, um, it's not a solo career. You have other people along um, uh, for the ride with you. So when my husband decided that it was time to advance his career 
it was in a different geographical location. So we decided to sell and move to another state. Um, I guess like a lot of veterinarians, I became reasonably burnt out with offering after hours and emergency services, especially as a practice owner. The buck stops you. There's nobody else to take over when you're tired or sick or, or anything like that. And I, I felt like I'd really paid my dues as far as, you know, seeing a, a horse with a foot abscess at nine o'clock on a Saturday night, um, even though being able to help your patients and help your clients is really a wonderful thing. It does get pretty, pretty tired. Um, and so I decided that when we moved, I didn't want to offer a full service practice again. Um, and I guess with, I have, I have two children. Um, one of them has turned 11 today and uh, the other is, is uh, turned 13 last month. And I felt that I had missed such a lot of their early years because I couldn't afford to take a whole lot of time off work when I was employed. So I went, okay, well, this is now my time that I can take a step back, really concentrate on my family. The the kids are, you know, they're getting older every time and I really want to have that time at home with them and value it. But I still want to do what I love with, um, with veterinary medicine. So I decided, well, why don't I, do, I just do just the bits that are really fun and that I'm really good at and I really enjoy and somebody else can do all the other bits. Um, and so that's kind of how I um, ended up here, at least with the with the clinical practice. Great. So you took, so I guess, you know, the, the take home wouldn't be to sell your practice and then take a step back, <laughs> but just to, just, to, just to build in the time to really think about what you do want to do and how you, and design a life that you really want. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely did this when I was a practice owner as, as well um, in that I would, you know, you'd go and see the cases that need that extra help with their um, dental or oral surgeries and you'd, you'd schedule that in and get, get to do the, the fun stuff. I did, I have to say, I spent um, almost two years uh, doing a big personal development course, which really opened my eyes to the way other people do business and the way other people live and their decision-making, I guess, when it comes to actually designing their life. Because you can go and ask 10 people where they want to be in 10 years' time and they might have some sort of airy-fairy idea about, you know, living in a mansion or working overseas or, you know, anything like that. But, you know, maybe one person, maybe one person out of 100 actually has a plan on how they're going to, to get there. So uh, I guess my advice would be if you if you can identify the area that you want to focus on and improve and kind of dedicate your life to, you need to find out where you are now. You need to work out where you want to go and you need to have a roadmap to get there because just having an idea and, um, you know, thinking about it, most of the time it's actually not going to get you there. Yeah, I think that's great advice, yeah. Most of the time change doesn't happen just organically, does it? No, yeah, you have to put some effort into it. And, and of course, our um, reticular activating system is great on picking up on those little clues that our brain would otherwise filter out, um, and that kind of helps you. It's like you guys have probably heard the story about you go looking for a new car and you decide on a red. I like red, so my car's going to be red. Um, and then all of a sudden, once you've made that decision, you're seeing this same kind of car everywhere whereas you were sure before you were going to be the only one to have it because it was so cool. Um, but that's your, your reticular activating system actually picking up um, on on the things that your brain is interested in, whereas otherwise it would have generally just filtered it out with their everyday noise. 
Yeah, that's oh, that's excellent. It's good to use. I find it's great to use. Um, really good to use science because we are scientists, isn't it? But it's amazing how how frequently we forget to do those things, right? Course, we just yes. keep plugging along, and we keep our. I don't know. In North America, we say keep your head down, keep your head below your bum, and you'll be just fine. You know, keep your head down, down. Bum up, same thing. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when we're talking about uh, making change or trying to adopt it, you know, trying to do do less of what we don't like, a lot of times I think we I hear uh, anyways from colleagues, um, I should be able to do this all myself, or who am I to do something like that? Everyone would, would will everyone be laughing at me behind my back? Um, so I wonder if you have anything that you'd like to share about challenging limiting beliefs or having the courage to try try things differently. Mm. Look, I, I think so. Um, I. I'm a big fan of a to-do list, but I'm also a bigger fan of a not-to-do list. So the things that can be more either time or money efficient for somebody else to do it, they're the things that you really shouldn't be doing. And they can be really hard to give up. So I guess for me, when I started my equine practice, I was... Um, it was, you know, pretty much just me in the beginning uh, and, a, and a part-time bookkeeper. So I was answering the phones, I was scheduling everything, I was doing reminders, uh, I was packing the cars, cleaning the cars, that sort of thing. Um, and then pretty quickly I decided that this was a really poor use of my time and had to had to get some help. So my not-to-do list then became quite important on how I would, um, I guess, delegate some of the tasks that really weren't serving me very well. I read a really interesting quote the other day that really got me thinking a lot and it said, it was, you know, I'm going to paraphrase because I can't remember it exactly, but it was something along the lines of if hard work would get you your dreams, then every woman in Africa would be a millionaire. You know, when you think about the lives that these women um, lead in caring for their families and farming and, you know, existing, um, it, it really is true. Hard work by itself is not going to get you there. You need to have a plan. And, of course, you know, in uh, first world countries, opportunity as as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great, that's a really great quote. Yes, it's true. <laughs> um, so the theme of our episode, of course, is to do more of what you love and less of what you don't. And we've talked about how you niched into dentistry, but I wonder if you have other idea, other areas where you've decided to kind of farm out tasks um, that you didn't like. So how did you take that jump from doing it all in your practice to all of a sudden farming everything out and, um, and deciding to enlist help and ask for help from others? I can think of a couple of I guess, turning points. Um, And one is not particularly about veterinary medicine, but it's around living your life as a veterinarian. And it's when my kids were quite young and we lived in Canberra in uh, the southern part of Australia, which it doesn't get cold like you guys get cold, but it gets pretty cold. And I had done a full day's work. I had come home, I'd cooked dinner and put the kids to bed. And then I sat down at the desk to write up the day's notes and do the billing and you know, drug ordering and everything else that needed to be done. And just before I went to bed, I thought oh, I'd better go and hang out that washing on the line. So in Australia, we hang our washing outside on the line to dry. We, we generally don't mm-hmm. use tumble dryers. And I, I went, okay, I'll go and do that and then I'll get to go to bed. And at this stage, it was past one o'clock in the morning and being winter, middle of winter and being quite cold, nice sunny days, but cold at night, the wet washing was I was putting it on the line that was freezing as I was putting it on the line. And I just went, this is ridiculous. 
I'm a <laughs> yeah. graduated veterinarian. I have my own business. I shouldn't be hanging washing up at one o'clock in the morning and it's freezing. Um, <laughs> so I then decided to get some help with um, with childcare, with, our, with, I guess, maintaining our family. And we looked into au pairs, which has been a really wonderful resource um, for us. But I think there's there's a whole lot of those moments it tends to be when you've had a big day and you're tired and you kind of just have an epiphany going, you know, no more, not another day, not another minute, not another second, I'm done with this. And that mental shift just really helps to drive you uh, towards what um, what you should be doing rather than what you are doing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. And it's, it's important to take those and harness them and not ignore them, I think. You know, Absolutely. I think lots of us have a tendency to say, okay, well, I'll just, I'll go to bed and I'll have a think on it and maybe and then another week goes by so you have to you have to action it right away don't you absolutely yeah um so yes and I I can totally remember um putting putting laundry on the line and having it freeze as well so I just I decided we weren't doing that anymore as far as putting laundry (laughs) we're not we're done with that (laughs) it's ridiculous not at one in the morning but I think you're far more dedicated than I am to laundry um and I, I wonder, I wonder, Olivia, if you have any advice on holding yourself accountable as a business owner, because um, many of our listeners are are solo practitioners, um, mm-hmm. or the sole person in charge of a multi doctor practice. So, you know, how do you, you know, how do you think that are there good ways to make big picture thinking and um, happen, and to make strategic change within your practice? I think a really important important part of being a practice owner or or the person in charge is that you have to really step back and make sure you take time to work on the business rather than in the business because otherwise it tends to be like a ship without a, a captain you kind of just sailing on not really have any idea where you're going um, and then all of a sudden you end up somewhere where you never thought you'd be and you, ne- you had never planned to be there but by taking the opportunity to step back and do some goal setting and planning and you know the little things like plan out your social media content for the next six months or your your newsletters plan out um, what services are really working in your practice weed out the services that are not making you money they're not serving you they're burning your veterinarians out um, and, and get rid of them so taking that time to step back and really look at your practice and even your life as a whole objectively um, is really invaluable but it's really easy to say that but not actually ever ever do it so I think um, carving out a specific time in your diary if you can be away from the practice at the same time it's really really helpful because you're not going to be interrupted by the emergency or the phone calls or you know somebody so-and-so wants to return something and they want to discuss it with you um, so if you can actually remove yourself from the practice situation and I guess kind of immerse yourself in in what you're doing that's that's really beneficial and everybody's heard about KPIs and managing businesses if you can get some of your financial data and KPIs in there as well and um, you know just make sure you're regularly monitoring it uh, can, can be really invaluable. Oh, that's a great, that's excellent advice. Yeah I mean I really like hope is not a strategy is it <laughs> unfortunately. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Um, so I just want to touch on the online courses that you um, that you have developed and the training program that you've that you've put forth. Um, so tell me about that transition to you know the hands-on doing the cases versus impacting lots and lots of different people with the online courses and 
Can you walk me through some of the decision process that led you to do that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've I've been teaching equine dentistry to veterinarians for over a decade now, and I, I love it. It's just so rewarding. Um, in there's one one course uh, run by EBDS in Grafton with Dr. Oliver Lyu that I've been uh, teaching it for a long time. And what I really love about that is seeing the veterinarians come in at the beginning, and they're like, "Oh, this is going to be really hard. I've got no idea." And then coming out the end, being so confident and competent and just, you know, getting excited about the diseases they're diagnosing, diagnosing and treating. And like that's, it's just a really wonderful feeling to be able to be part of their journey and to help them. But the way this came about is um, there's a bit of a story behind it. Um, in May of 2019, I uh, did some volunteer work with Animal Aid Abroad uh, in some remote islands in Indonesia. And these are the Gili Islands, and they don't have any motorised transport on these islands. So they're quite small. Indonesia's a developing country. They use uh, horse and cart or horse and sodomo for everything. So transporting people, they're tourists is their main industry. Um they use it for um, moving rubbish off the islands, for transporting building goods, you know, anything that you can think of. It's all down to horse and horse and cart. And a colleague of mine, Dr. Kirsten Jackson from Perth, has been working with these uh, ponies over there, uh, specifically the, the rubbish ponies initially, to improve their welfare because their welfare was, was very poor. You know, they would be offered seawater to drink. Um, and it's hot over there. So can you imagine being hot and thirsty and only having salty water to drink? Um, a lot of them are emaciated. Their basic animal husbandry needs were, were not being met. Uh, so she started this movement um, and then Animal Aid Abroad came along and they kind of were working together to help these ponies. I decided that I was finally going to uh, go over and volunteer. Now I had the time. Now I didn't uh, have my practice anymore. And went over there with a whole group of people and some students and had a really wonderful time just, you know, doing lots of dentistry. But it's the basic stuff, like looking at their hoof care and um, their deworming schedule and looking at wounds and things like that, like really quite basic stuff. There was a, a veterinarian there, uh, Dr Penny. She's an Indonesian veterinarian, um, single mum, and is just fascinated with equine dentistry. And she stuck to my side like glue the whole time. So every time I'd be looking at her mouth, she'd be right at my shoulder wanting to have a, have a look and what's this and what's that and how do you do and, and look at that. Um, and so at, in the evenings we would go to a local bar and have dinner and, you know, cocktails and things like that, all the things that you do when you're on, in a tropical paradise. And um, I would give kind of like informal tutes. Um, I brought a textbook along with me so I could show pictures and things like that. Uh, and before I left, Dr Penny and some of her colleagues said, uh, asked me where else they could go to get some more education on this. Um, it's not really an option for them to leave Indonesia to travel, um, to go to in-person conferences. The I guess the Bible, the equine dentistry textbook is now out of print. Uh, it's really hard to get. You can maybe get a very expensive used copy on eBay if you're lucky. Um, and I had a look online and I found about, I think it was four hours or six hours of lectures on there. And I said, well, you can you can look at that. But, um, you know, if you're really interested, I can, I can put something together for you. So I can record it, I can send it to you, and you can keep learning that way. And it kind of got me thinking about um, how much this would, be, would benefit other people if they could access this sort of education while they're driving or while they're at home um, because... As a as a as a mother, a wife, and a veterinarian, it can be really tough to leave home. You've got to organise 
childcare. Um, you have to organise your roster changes, someone to look after your property, someone to look after your pets. There's a loss of income while you're away, especially as the practice owner, the income almost always decreases when, when you're away. Um, I used to, for example, when I would go to these, uh, or go away and travel to these conferences, I would have to cook a week's worth of dinner to put in the freezer. And some people forget that and not to be sexist, but often it's the men that don't, don't even think about the mental load that the women have to bear in, organ, in order to get themselves away to conferences. Um, and then the other things like the, the cost of travel, so your flights, your car hire, accommodation, the food way away, it gets really expensive. So I thought, okay, well, I've, I've sold my practice. I have time now. Why don't I put something together? and um, see if we can help even more people. So it started off as about six or eight lectures and I spoke to uh, a few a few friends of mine. Um, I'm, in the, I'm in the tail end of my um, re- advanced standing residency for uh, American uh, ABDC, American Veterinary Dental College, and so I reached out to a few of my um, colleagues and friends and said, I, I want to do something like this. Can we collaborate and do it together? because I didn't want it to be just me delivering the whole lectures all the time. I thought mm, it might get a bit boring for some people. Um, so there's there's my first limiting belief. <laughs> um, and they all said, that is fantastic. This is something I've always wanted to do, but it's such a huge thing to do. Like I just don't have the time. And I said, well, let's collaborate. Um, and I reached out to a whole heap of people and said, can you lecture on this? Can you lecture on this? And they were like, absolutely, love to help, want to do it. So um, over sort of nine months or so, I was recording, just like this, doing it on Zoom, recording um, lectures with my colleagues in a more conversational um, style in an audiovisual yeah. format. Um, and they were just amazing it was it was so much fun I feel really privileged I think I'm the the single person that's had the most one-on-one lecture time out of anybody in the entire universe and I learned, <laughs> you know even at my level I learned such a lot because as veterinarians we all continue to learn um and so just circling back to things that um you should be outsourcing. I very was very quick to outsource the video editing to a professional mm-hmm. company, and um, you know the online marketing and all of that sort of stuff. I'm like, well, I'm a veterinarian. I'm going to do the veterinary stuff, and somebody else can do uh, everything else. So that's kind of that's where we are now. The veterinary dental company uh, launched in uh, December 2019 at AAEP. So we're we're coming up on a year. It's not too far away, which is pretty cool. And I've had, or we have had such fantastic feedback from this that we've decided, so I don't know, call call me crazy, but um, that we're going to take what we've done for veterinary equine dentistry and we're going to apply it for the niche in the market that's often forgotten and that's veterinarians in equine practice that are not doing internships or residencies, they're not in big hospitals, um, they might be new or recent graduates or just really wanting to improve um, or, or veterinarians who see horses in, in mixed practice um, and we're going to uh, collaborate. We've got about, I think, 60 veterinarians on board right now, including some really big names, which is cool. which is pretty cool. And we're going to um, basically have an equine practice. Um, I haven't, I haven't um, actually come up with a word for it yet, but um, course or program or something like that so people can continue to learn online 
in their own time because I think that's a really big trend that we are seeing now, um, especially due to COVID. <laughs> I yeah. think COVID has really taken the veterinary industry and really dragged it kicking and, scream, uh, kicking and screaming into modern day times because m- most other industries have been doing online learning or communication or, you know, whatever that may be for quite a long time. The small animal practices have very much taken it on, but equine and large animal are really, you know, we're still quite a few years behind. So um, if there's anything good to come out of this whole situation, it's that learning has now become streamlined and it's now more accessible to people uh, worldwide, which I'm, um, I'm super excited about. That's really neat. Thank you for sharing that story and the origin of the dentistry program. I think there are a couple of things that jump out at me from that. And you can tell me if I'm wrong about, about these points, but I love the idea that you see, you saw a problem and you, you know, you saw a problem and you saw, and you saw how you could fill that problem. Um, and, and even though you thought, oh, I don't know if I could do it alone because I, I might be boring to people if they did it, if I did it alone which I'm going to say probably is not true, but, <laughs> um, but you, but then you reached out and collaborated and did something. And so you didn't just, you know, I think, and that's one of the wonderful things about this day and age is that we can collaborate with people all around the world, which is really cool. So you collaborated, you saw the problem and then you've just, and then it's just really taken off from there and you're expanding it, which is so cool. So thank you very, very much for sharing that. And, and as well, it really came out of a genuine need for, um, and solving the problems of people. And, and I agree with you, like, it's very hard to go away sometimes, particularly as an, as a solo practitioner, it's almost impossible to get away unless you have a really good on-call group. And, and family support. Yes, of, of course. So that too, I think, that um, too. you know, having, having a big a hairy audacious goal is, is really important. And everybody's heard the analogy of how do you eat the elephant? It's one bite at a time, um, and I'm I'm definitely feeling that now. And there's times where I where I go, this is just overwhelming. It's just too big. But if you just keep plugging along day by day, you'll you'll you know eat the elephant bite by bite, and and you'll get there. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. That was that's beautiful advice to end on. I think. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Better Equine Vet Practice limited podcast series presented by Business Infusions, owners of HVMS Software. For more information, visit businessinfusions.com forward slash podcast or follow us on social media at HVMS Software.